Corona Chronicle session 31 with David Denny from Denny's Law Group. And uh, originally, I got David on the show to talk about, or I was going to get David on the show to talk about the CARES Act, but there are more and more people that can speak to that. And I feel like so many people have spoken to that over the past couple days, um, specifically your local uh, state. Uh, association. So, and that's, that's the other variable. It it can vary state by state. Um, so instead of trying to break down that confusing mess, I think what we're going to do is just encourage you to go to your state's, uh, association website and try to figure out what they're advising you to do. There's probably a webinar they're linking to somewhere. Um, we'll try to find some resources to link to in today's episode, but today I just wanted to talk to David and get his perspective as a lawyer who focuses on hospitality law, like what the state of the industry is, how, you know, how, how he sees this all playing out, what he's feeling, what he feels like like needs to be communicated. That's really what I wanted to accomplish with today's uh, session. So, uh, that's what we did. And I should mention that today's session is brought to you by Procter and Gamble, uh, Don professional guys. Listen, uh, business must go on, right? We, people are still cooking. We're still getting out there. We're still serving the communities and we got to make sure we're being safer and cleaner than ever. And Don professional can help with those pots and pans in the kitchen. Uh, maybe we're using more takeout right now, but you know what? The, the kitchen's still getting dirty and we still have Don professional. So head over to pngpro.com. And if you're in the grocery stores or uh, if you're making orders from your vendor, make sure you're ordering Don Professional. All right, here's today's session. David Denny, how are you, my man? Man, I'm doing okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All things been considered. a crazy few weeks. Right. So uh, David Denny has been on the show at least two times now, right? Is it two or three two times? times? Yeah. He's kind of my one of my go-to uh authorities when it comes to legal matters in the restaurant industry. Uh, he's got a practice located in Dallas, Texas, uh, specializes in hospitality law. And during times like this, I mean, you've been so busy the past two weeks. I almost felt, I, I mean, I did feel guilty reaching out to you to even get 15, 20 minutes of your time. I appreciate you so much. So what's going through your mind, man? What are you seeing? What's the, what's the state of the industry from um, somebody with your perspective? Well, from, from the, I guess, March 16th, uh, through for the first couple of weeks of this entire crisis, basically, which started with the, especially in Texas, the possible closure, complete darkness of all restaurants. That was a concern. Yeah. Um, and, and behind the scenes, the Texas restaurant association fought valiantly to make sure that all restaurants didn't go dark. But so the very first two days of the crisis were trying to make sure all restaurants didn't go dark. Okay. Um, Luckily, that happened. Uh, and, and like many other cities uh, in Texas, the bars are closed. So that takes, it, it, you know, bars with kitchens, bars. It's too bad. It really sucks because um, there are a lot of great bar operators and bar employees who just got made dark without a chance to even fight. Yeah. And and just on behalf of the industry, I think right now, um, I just want to say thank you to, you know, the Texas restaurant association. I know you represent the Dallas restaurant association. Is that the correct term? Right. I'm the, I'm the president of the greater Dallas restaurant association, but I'm not, I'm not going to speak for them today because, um, that usually gets them in trouble. Well, I mean, you know, um, 
just speaking like the, the, the work that all restaurant associations have been doing to spread the word about the importance of speaking up and, uh, Oh man, that, I mean that in itself, um, there's a lot, sometimes there's some controversy around whether, uh, restaurant associations still hold the same influence they used to. And I think that you guys proved your, your value over the past two weeks. So I just want to acknowledge that and say, thank you. Oh yeah. It's been great to see the, the, the bridges that the bridges that weren't there that have been built in the past, you know, not even 20 days with different counties, different city governments to make sure that information has been stated properly and that weird decisions don't get made. Um, you know, I heard, a, I heard a story from another part of Texas where there was a city health department that wanted restaurant workers to change gloves um, and wash their hands after every, every time they made a, a food item, every time they made a meal, to take off their gloves and wash their hands. It's unreasonable. Just just did not make sense. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, but to be able to streamline that at the local and at the state level, the state staff, man, they have been working like absolute dogs um, night and day. Yeah. So contact, across the country. So been, been awesome. speaking on behalf of Denny law group and your clients, right. Or you're not on behalf of your clients, but what have your clients been coming to you with? Uh, what are the, the, the major um, challenges that, you know, how can you summarize? I mean, I know that's hard to do, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, it's probably three or four macro level things that everyone has the same concern. So the very first few days it was, what do I do with my employees? Is there a difference between layoff, between furlough, between salary, between hourly? So we were fielding a ton of questions about if I completely go dark and I put everybody into unemployment, is it better for them? Is it not better for them? <clears throat> and so we had a lot of a lot of owners agonizing over what was about to happen to their staff. And the, that was that was the probably the primary concern. When, when, when dining rooms across the state of Texas were closed, the, the immediate action was to put people into unemployment, whether it was for reduced hours or layoff or whatever. And the second thing was, what am I supposed to do with my taxes that are due in the middle of the month? And what am I supposed to do about my landlord when my rent comes due April 1st? And so we have been fielding tons of questions, not so many questions about taxes because you're either going to get abatement or not. But with regard to how do you deal with your landlord? Do I send a demand? I mean, do I send a form letter? Do I reach out and call them? I mean, we were given a lot of counsel to people about trying to have dialogues with vendors, especially big vendors, employees, vendors, landlords, and just, you know, appealing to the humanity of some of the bigger companies to help everybody get through this crisis. Because the landlords knew before anybody that if, 30% of the restaurants in America go dark. We're going to have a massive real estate crisis yeah. to follow this hospitality crisis. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, I mean, some people would argue it's the, the decrease in retail in general that has caused the surge in restaurant increase, uh, this increase in restaurant physical locations. So now sure. when you lose restaurants, like what else do you put into that retail space? Like what's next? Like there isn't anything else really. So, right. I mean, this is affecting all industries across the board really. Uh, but, um, Back to that that topic of having that conversation with landlords. It's been my understanding that most people, very few landlords are, are resisting to to work with people or not. They're not being resistant. They're being very helpful. That seems to be the general consensus. It, it is the general consensus. And, you know, some of the people that we expected to be creeps about it are being creeps about it. Are? I mean, you kind of you know, 
when you get into it with your landlord, when you, when you initially make that relationship kind of dependent on how they behave, either in the negotiation process or in the, you know, I'm a tenant, you're the landlord, what's our correspondence like? You kind of get a sense of their corporate culture and their, um, and their approachability. And some of the ones that we expected to be creeps have been complete and absolute jerks. Oh, really? Um, well, and some of the people have, some of the landlords have, they came out without even having been asked and have said, we will work with you. We will abate rent. We will, um, you know, we've got 90 days of abatement in us and, and things like that, which has, while rare, it's still really wonderful to see them stepping up. And I think those people rightly are being praised on, especially in local circles and social media and on Facebook and things like that, because I think the, the gratitude from the operators is genuine because without a rent abatement, uh, at least in the, in the, before the, the federal money gets distributed, that is going to be critical. Yeah. So what are the anticipation? Um, let's get into some of that relief. I know that a, a lot of people are interested in learning more about that. Um, we, we were going to talk about the CARES Act today, but we decided that that's just a lot to cover. Um, it's case by case. And I think it's probably better if we just redirect our listeners to uh, some resources that have already been put out there. Uh, some webinars. Are there any that come to mind that we can link to in, in this associated session? Um, sure. Well, I mean, gosh, I've gotten 20, 20 emails in the last 48 hours about people offering a digest of what's in the CARES Act. Um, your state restaurant association has probably um, done a deep dive into that. For sure, the Texas Restaurant Association has, and their website contains um, not only some written information, but two YouTube links that are uh, a, May, a March 27th at, at talk and a March 30th last night talk, uh, part one and two about how the CARES Act affects restaurant companies. So the, the, the high level things to take away from that are that restaurants and hotels, like hospitality companies generally were carved out from the 500 employee limit. And so you, every restaurant unit can be counted up to 500 employees and they will qualify, which is amazing. Okay. That's awesome. Um, amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. And so, you know, there's some math problems in there that you have to work out, but essentially it is an SBA loan that's forgivable if you use it for the forgivable uh, expenses like payroll and rent and utilities, um, the big ones, the ones that we really need help with, that's how you get that forgiven. And so most people will find that when they qualify for that, that that loan doesn't really become a loan. Yeah. If you use it for other things, if you buy a piece of equipment with it, you got to pay it back as a loan. But generally speaking, it's going to be like a grant. Okay. One thing that has come up in conversation, I've seen people who are concerned, they're saying, um, with this relief, we have to hire back our uh, previous employed uh, or previous employees. But what the concern is, is that the market isn't going to be what it was when this happened and that they won't be able to um, afford to bring back the same level of employees that they laid off in the first place because the market's just not going to be where it was. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so my, my hope is that, um, and a lot of people I think share this is that there will be a resurgence, uh, that will be a quick bounce back in hospitality because of a great deal of pinup demand. I mean, just jump into Instagram and you can see people talking about how badly they want to go to a restaurant, how badly they want to go to the bar. Um, not, not for anything else than to have interactions with people that they are now, uh, they're missing so much. 
So I really think, and I'm basically, I, I'm hopeful, prayerful, whatever. I am praying that there is a speedy recovery and that we do have to ramp those staffs back up as fast as possible. But that's what that recovery money is for, is to pay payroll. The one thing that where there's some confusion, though, is that you don't have to hire back the same human beings you had. You just have to have the same headcount. Okay. Right? So, so, so if, if one of your servers got a job at Trader Joe's to carry groceries during this thing and they really liked carrying groceries, they're not going to come back and be a waiter again. You don't have to hire that human. You just have to hire people. Okay. Uh, so and there's a, basically a math problem. It's a ratio of employees you have now uh, you know, relative to the employees you had before. And so that's how you determine what portion of that money is forgivable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm being completely transparent right now where like these conversations are my research. This is how I learn through having conversations with people. Um, so as we have people like yourself on the show, like that's kind of how I'm choosing to go and what direction, um, what, what this, this conversation will determine my next conversation. So what are the sure. things that you think I should be focusing on? The things that the areas that you think people are most concerned about that, um, that, we need to have more conversations around. Well, so here's, here's a piece of the cares act that has, that is really important, but nobody's talking about because it doesn't involve loan money, grant money, immediate deployment of capital. But for a year or two, uh, the restaurant industry has been lobbying legislators to fix a typo in the tax code that did not allow us to take accelerated depreciation on equipment that was put into service um, after the tax code got updated in 2018. And they fixed it in the CARES Act. Okay. And so if you are an operator and you put equipment into service in 2018, 2019, 2020, especially, especially if you opened a new unit and you had a ton of equipment go into service, you might want to amend your tax returns. So talk to your accountant about recovering that money it's the QIP or the qualified income property tax benefit and it's and it and they fixed it because everyone it was a bipartisan agreement that it was a mistake okay and so they fixed it in there and it's just one of the bullet points of things that are in the cares act but but operators that have stood up businesses in the last couple of years will find a tremendous amount of benefit there that they probably thought they could take and they got some bad news from their accountant so that's that's a great That's tip. That, that, that is really, I think it, we're talking real dollars and, um, and it's just, it's just back. And the fact that it's retroactive back to January one of 18 is awesome. Yeah. There's one other thing that's been, um, I, I've been curious about and, um, I, I understand rudimentary why, uh, insurance is not going to be covering this. And I mean, I think we've all kind of accepted that they won't be covering it, but I think there's a probably still, still some question out there as to why not. And I, I don't know if that's an easy answer. Um, if you're able to explain that, but I think it would be helpful for people just to understand why not. Well, so the, the thing about business interruption insurance is it's pretty specific. So you've got general liability. If somebody slips and cracks their head open or gets sick, and you've got property in case your building burns down. And business interruption is if you have an interruption in business caused by X, and X is the insured event. And in you know 99.9% of these policies or some, some astronomically high percentage, it's basically like if your power goes out for 48 hours, 
right? You can't open and you lose everything in your refrigerator and you lose your profits for two days or a week or you, or you get struck by lightning or there's a tornado or a Katrina or anything else. Like physical damage is, is the trigger there. And so, I mean, I saw a headline a couple of days ago that said Thomas Keller suing his insurance company yep. to get covered under business interruption. I bet everybody saw it. And I said, you know, we are going to be ready if our clients want us to explore those policies and they want us to, to wade in because there's going to be an astronomical amount of litigation. There'll probably be class actions. I mean, the contracts say what they say, but people are going to get together and probably sue insurers anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, my understanding of it is it, this whole thing, um, an epidemic like this, or sorry, a pandemic like this isn't going to uh, isolate and affect one restaurant. It's a, it's affecting every restaurant and there isn't oh, yeah. a single entity that exists without, with maybe the exception of the U S government or whatever that can, that can support all those, those restaurants. And that, that's kind of like my understanding of why they, they work that special language in there because no entity could support that much devastation. So they had to, I mean, cause it's, it's not just a isolated situation. It affects the entire world. No insurance company can, can handle that is how well, I kind of understand it. The same thing happened after 9-11 and you started seeing exclusions in coverage for acts of terrorism, right? So declared or undeclared war was never a thing, wasn't, wasn't really a thing. Undeclared war became an issue because some insurers tried to get out of covering for 9-11 because they said, well, we were at war with the terrorists, but it was an undeclared war against the terrorists. So now like policy language will, ab there's no question, it will absolutely evolve because of this occurrence. Yeah. And I think but it's also important. Two weeks ago, there was no endorsement you could buy to get coverage for this kind of event right, on your right. business interruption insurance. I haven't found any product that existed. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope somebody has it. Yeah. But, but I, generally speaking, it's, it wasn't even contemplated. I think it's important to communicate that if, if, if you are a smaller business, do not even try to go toe to toe with the insurance companies. It's not, it's likely a fight that's not worth fighting at this point. Let the deep pockets like the Thomas Kellers of the world, you know, fight on your behalf. Maybe there might be a settlement. I've heard that if they are successful, maybe they can make change for the greater good or for the collective. It's, it's possible. Insurance companies are pretty notorious for settling confidentially, you know, and so we might not know about it other than the case gets dropped. Um, but, but I don't necessarily know that I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't go toe to toe with them. Okay. So if you feel like, if you feel like you have a claim to file, then consider filing a claim and at least getting in line to get a denial so that you can have a conversation with somebody about, well, I was denied coverage. Is it legitimate or not? Okay. Well, I mean, that's why you're here, man. You, you know, these yeah. things better than I do. And I thank you for clarifying and giving me that, that advice. Uh, I mean, and all honesty, and I, and I feel bad if I'm just like de de deferring to you constantly, but you're, this is your vertical, man. This is where you shine. Oh. So, uh, yeah. is, is there I mean, any, go ahead. It's the first month of my career that I thought, you know, when having all your eggs in one basket for one industry really might not have necessarily been the best business move because with, with virtual all clients and hospitality are an immediate second order effect in my business. We are perfectly parallel with what happens to the, the hospitality industry. And so when restaurants suffer, we suffer. And we, we know that our, most of our clients are not in a position to do anything with us, but yet we've had to, and not had to, but we've chosen to. I mean, we're answering questions. We're working on leases. We're trying to figure alternate ways around having to pay rent and land, you know, for landlords that aren't being cool about it. And so we're, we are plugging away 
Um, because when the industry comes back, we'll, you know, we'll right there with them. But but if the industry goes down, we're going to go down too. Do you think it's realistic that the industry will go down? No, not anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I think that it was a matter. It was only a matter of time until the government stepped in and did what they did. I mean, they, they, it was inevitable. The government was going to do something. And so what form that took was the variable. And when, when the money gets into people's hands is the real variable that everybody cares about. Yeah. Are there any other generals that people are, are coming to you with like any general concerns or questions that you can answer now during this time while we have your attention? Well, you know, one of the, one of the great things that um, the, the best positive out of this is seeing some of the, the good and some of this good is going to last beyond the pandemic. This, this is a finite event. It will not last forever. And you know, most of us will come out of this um, and the industry will look differently. But some of the positive things that we've gotten to be a part of are helping some of our clients create nonprofits. One here locally has been created to feed, it was initially created to feed first responders and their families because first responders are at a point now <clears throat> where they're going on runs, where firefighters and EMTs are going on runs to sick people's houses. They can't go to the grocery store. They can't go to restaurants. Um, Doctors and nurses are, are either in the hospital or at home. They can't, they can't go out. They shouldn't go to the grocery store. And so there are these nonprofits that are taking care of those first responders. Now, this, this nonprofit that we've worked on, that is, it's still in a formative and transitional, like it's been pivoting just like everybody else basically every day. Now, it is going to create um, a, a vehicle to help restaurant people apply for federal relief, to help them work through the application process, which wasn't even in their mindset seven days ago. The other one is uh, nonprofits that have, have sprung up to feed displaced restaurant workers. And man, so many in, in cities across cities, towns across America, they are taking care of these displaced workers. And, it's amazing. Yeah, And I think that's a really important thing to, to mention is that we are together. And when people, the first couple of weeks, we were just so close to it. You know, like our, this is our business. This is my livelihood. What, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? Like me, 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 like my whole situation is crumbling around me, you and everybody else. And the thing about that, you and everybody else is because we're in this together, it's, it's a relative, like we're all going through. So we have each other. And I think that that, and you're seeing that this, togetherness is, is starting to, to show throughout the industry with these relief aids like or these relief relief. Um, uh, what's the correct term? Help me out. You're the, you're the smart one in the conversation. Oh, um, it has all these names, right? <laughs> yeah, factor, right. Rescue aid. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there is, there's going to be help. And as long as we right. recognize that we're in this together, like we'll, we'll come out the other side of this. So, Focus on what you can focus on. Focus on educating yourself. Focus on how can I come out of this even stronger. Focus on what what's the how's the landscape of the industry going to be different, and how can I prepare for that difference? Um, what are some of the things that you you said that you know, the industry is going to be completely not completely different, but we're, we're going to be different after this? What what how do you see the future of the industry? What what's your vision look like? So my recommendation to to your listeners to for because we know that. We're, we're unsure how the application process for this CARES package is going to look because it's it probably going to take a couple of weeks for it to, to, to go through the bank system and we won't know how to apply. But we know it's coming. We know it'll be there. And so I would encourage you guys to use the next couple of weeks to start planning for what comes next. And so many people have done so many creative and amazing things to survive, whether it's 
providing. So first of all, the people that never did takeout or delivery before learned how to do that in one day. And the people who have done takeout and, and maybe did delivery have all have now learned how to do take and bake meals or cook at home meals. They've done cooking classes online every day. We have one client, more than one client doing um, daily cooking classes, cooking shows, Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Um, it's been it's been awesome to see the creativity just flow through. And my hope is that stuff stays around. Yeah. I don't think some of these take and bake ideas where, where people have really sat down and thought, what can I do to help save this company and keep this company afloat? I mean, that, that shouldn't go away because once you're, you know, your quarantined guest populace um, gets used to buying take and bake meals from you, don't deprive them of that. It's just another opportunity to make yourself stand out in the market. And so it's been wonderful to watch these guys, um, you know, provide additional ways for their guests to connect with them when we're being literally forced by the government not to connect. And it's, I think it's sort of like, you know, you see people talk about how everybody's walking around, everybody's taking walks, everybody's saying hi to each other. You know, it's sort of like being at church camp and, and that, post church camp high that you feel. Yeah. Um, the the joke I be the, the joke I keep using is dogs have never been happier. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be the most disappointed right? when this thing's over. Yeah. So so but when I, you but I think some of those creative ideas and solutions stay around and I hope they do. So when, you, when you say planning, what what type of planning uh specifically uh beyond like planning to use technology in these platforms to communicate with our guests. What other type of planning should we like, what, what should be on our planning checklist? Well, planning how to get, get your employees back. Um, what is your company going to look like sort of post COVID? Is it um, post pandemic? Are you going to communicate with your employees the same way? Or are you going to communicate with your guests the same way? Have you learned anything during the last two weeks of just complete dumpster fire to that, that you will utilize. So have you identified extraneous expenses that you don't need? You know, I mean, it, everyone, everyone had to go lean. Yeah. And I think and it's, it's safe some to of say, that leanness is good. Yeah. I think some of that leanness is going to continue even when we get the green light. So I'm planning for, okay, like what are the most important things that I need? Like how can we, slim down and be as efficient as possible to come out of this to, to, cause it's not going to be like hitting a switch and like our, our doors, our our dining rooms are going to be packed to the gills. I think it's going to take a little bit of time of people building the courage to get back out. Maybe they're not quite believing what the government's saying. It's going to be more of a gradual swing. I would, I would assume. Well, so here's the other optimistic thing is that it's sort of optimism with a little shade on it, because I think when this, when we get through this, we're going to see that there are some second generation opportunities that weren't, that weren't there before. Can you give us an example? Not everyone's going to make it. Okay. So, so either the people that have dry powder or the people that were already planning on expanding and growing, it may have slowed their expansion plans, but there may be new opportunities for space that that's available. Um, the people that had not signed leases, for example, I mean, I've got a, we had a handful of people that were just getting ready to sign on the dotted line or to buy this company or to do this or that. Oh man. I mean, they are in a different bargaining position six, eight weeks from now than they were three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. You know, 
Um, what are your thoughts on who's going to be hit harder by this? A larger organization, say above 500 employees or smaller below 500? You know, I, I don't know. I really, I don't know because there's such a groundswell right now of support local, support independent, which is music to my ears. Um, you know, I don't know if sort of the big chains kind of swoop into that, uh, you know, mid-level recovery and, and take some of that $500 billion that's, that's not for small businesses. I don't really, I didn't even read that part. It's not important to me. What's important to me is the $350 billion for small businesses. Mm -hmm. And, and so it isn't just, um, it isn't just hospitality. I mean, hospitality can encompass a lot of things like hair salons. I mean, those people went dark and they have nothing. And there's, there is no movement big enough to say support all the hair salon workers, and so those people are suffering too. So that three fifty is going that three hundred fifty billion dollars is going to be spread around a large swath. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, but the small businesses, the pent up demand. I mean, I, I traded emails with the guy who owns the company where I get my haircut, and I said, "Man, I am so sad that you are dark right now, but it is going to be a flood." Yeah, but when the lights get turned back on. I've, I mean, and I have one prediction and I would like the bounce this off you and we can start thinking about wrapping this up soon. I just realized what time it was. Um, I think and I keep on using P Terry's as the example. I think the P Terry's of the world are going to recognize that um, there's a massive void and that there's uh, these companies like the P Terry's are doing great. Like right now, like they're, they're like almost like things like never stop for them. They're a drive through burger joint, you know, like they're doing fine, but these companies have kind of, there's been a trend where they're trying to, appeal and look like they're small businesses. They, they want to have that local vibe, that local look. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are like, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for those mid range companies who are local to, to invest in other local businesses and then create larger restaurant groups, but more diversified restaurant groups um, to appeal to that local market. Um, what are your thoughts there? That'd be great. I mean, consolidate resources, consolidate talents, um, I'm a huge fan of multi-concept restaurant companies. I think that's going to be a big opportunity in the future. I think these people who are doing oh, yeah. well are going to invest in those because there's massive um, human equity out there right now. There's so sure. much human human equity just on the table right now. And I think not, it's gonna be a, not just to maximize profits, but to spread risk. Well, Me. yeah, exactly. And I think you're going to see a lot of smart business people. It's all about, we, we know it's all about the people that are in your network and they're going to be looking to get those, those, that, that human equity, that, that, that human capital to recruit that human capital and invest in those people's and their skills and their visions. I think that's going to be really interesting. And I hope that's the direction we go in. I hope that we, we die, you know, fragment, um, the, the, the business a little bit and spread them the wealth out a little bit. Um, I think that's best case scenario personally. We're going to, we're going to see a lot of, uh, we're going to see a lot of good long-term good things come out of this. I, there has, it has, there has to be. Yeah. I mean, this industry is, is too dynamic and too creative to waste an opportunity like this, which seems so dark and crushing right now. But with it, but we all know it's temporary and all we have to do is get through it. And on the other side of this is a new landscape. Yeah. And the biggest thing I want to communicate is that we get to choose how that, that, that looks, we get to choose. And I think it's so important that we communicate that, that collectively we can spread these ideas faster than ever. We can get on the same page and we can choose to come back the way we want to come back. Um, which I don't think can be communicated enough personally. Yeah. I think, I think people, the people in the United States have been reminded how much they love 
the experience of going out to a restaurant. Yeah. You know, it, it took a lot. It took something this big to sort of remind them how much they treasure that. But now that they can't do it, I mean, it's, it's just, it's like not having anything. It's separation anxiety, right? Yeah. Absence makes the heart grow fonder and they're incredibly fond of going out right now because they can't. Yeah. David, I, I can't say thank you enough for taking the time to join me today. I know that you've just been so incredibly busy the past couple of weeks. The emails you've been putting out are, are a testament to that. Uh, I'm on your email list. I've been getting all of them. You've been hustling, dude. Any last words, any pieces of, of, of advice you can drop on us before we say goodbye? What I've, what I've been telling everybody probably too much, been accused of being too optimistic. Um, I'm just saying, hang in there. Like we, we, we are going to get through this together as a community. Um, people have, people who don't have the answers can get the answers. Um, this community has, is, is the most friendly, is the most sharing with opportunities, with, um, with information, with tips. And so reach out to your fellow restaurateurs. Do not go through this alone. Yeah. And I'd add we're the most resilient. So uh, oh, you know, yeah. we're, we're used to this. This is just another Friday night. You know, like uh, we're, we're used to being beat up. So we'll be able to bounce back. No problem. And um, Dave, just again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Man, and thank you. It's, it's my pleasure, man. Um, this is, it's the least I can do. So. All right. Uh, thank you again to David Denny from Denny Law Group. And uh, yeah, I think the big takeaways from today's chat uh, or the sessions chat is uh, if you bought equipment in 2019, call your your accountant. You might be able to save some money there. Use aid to plan for the future. So we got this aid right now. Now what? Uh, be smart with it. You know, you know, obviously you get it. It's, it's there to help take care of your employees. That's one less thing you have to worry about. But now that that's taken care of, what can you do with this time? Uh, now that that, that poll has been patched, what can you do with your time plan for the future? What does the future look like? And that, that's kind of what I'm going to be focused on. I think with these chats is talking to people, what do they think the future is going to look like and kind of getting a general idea, talking to experts, talking to leading restaurateurs, what's the future look like? How can we plan more importantly, how can we get on the same page? How can we choose to come back? And I think we exist in the first time ever and correct me if I'm wrong in civilization where we get to choose how to come back collectively as an industry and not be reactive. It's always been the market, that's determined how we we make our decisions or what we do, but let's let's choose as an industry to educate the general public as to what the best way we come back is. Right? Uh, what does this look like to you? How would you like to see us come back? Is the question I'm posing right now. Join the Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators Facebook group. Head over to Facebook, uh, search Unstoppable Restaurant Owners and Operators. Tell me what you think the industry should look like when we come back, because that's that's a conversation I want to start. That's a conversation I'm interested in. So um, again, thank you very much, David. Uh, lots of hope on the future or in the future. We get to choose how we come back. Uh, second generation opportunities. This is exciting stuff. So choose to be excited about this. We get a restart. We get a re, a, you know, a refresh and we don't always get that opportunity. So let's make the most of it. All right. Talk to you soon, guys. Peace.